0: John 3 verses 12, 14 to 21 it can be found on page 979 of the Bible's next year seats as well as on the screen this is God's word just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. All those who do evil hate the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But those who live by the truth come into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. The word of the Lord.
1: pray with me. Our God of grace, coming into this room um, can be um, for some people almost nearly traumatic as spaces of worship and spiritual communities um, have not always handled our journeys well, have not always seemed to have our best interests in mind. So sometimes there's Uh, Some of us come into this space with wounds and hurts that are fresh on our minds. Meanwhile, others come in with um, joy and excitement. Maybe um, just delighting in a new phase of life, delighting in new opportunities. Some come this morning with great faith that has been reinforced by what seems to be your presence in our life. And others come with great doubt, wondering, maybe some of us wondering if the faith we once had uh, might ever return. It may seem almost like a, like a dream or like something from childhood, and we wonder if now in this phase of life, with all that we've been through, with all that we now think about, can we still look to you in a way that resonates deep within our soul. And from all these kinds of places, we come and sit, and the expectation and the practice of the Christian church is to look for your voice through what you have provided in Scripture and to look that you might speak into our lives and into our world today. So even though as we sit here and all of us are more of a mess than we care to admit, we look to your grace and your story to speak to us, a grace that says that even though we're broken and messed up, we are more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever imagined. And may that grace speak to us this morning in a way that is hopeful and helpful through your Holy Spirit. Amen. Did you catch um, what's uh, noteworthy or what's um, widely recognized in this scripture passage? Anybody catch it? John 3:16. John 3:16. Um, I think it was Sam in his examination on Tuesday, said something about he referenced John 3:16 and he called it the football verse. And isn't it interesting that it's, a, it's, it's words? That are held up as, as kind of crystallizing a message about the Christian faith, and yet you can just put the reference to where that is, and that's enough you can just put a sign people put a sign at John three sixteen not even the words themselves, just the reference to where to find it, and that's almost as if you're holding up the words themselves that's that's a a sign that something has really gotten embedded i think into um, into culture and i don't I don't know that it's going to be that way so much with the next generation of folks, but with my, you know, growing up, I saw the sign behind the backstop on TV at the World Series or some baseball game, John 3.16. And as we look, get to look at it today, we get to see it in its context, which is a, an experiment in, that's always fun when there's a familiar line from scripture to kind of open up a little bit and see where it fits and how it's speaking to us. And actually... We're not going to reference that verse very much in the next 10 minutes, but it's, it's going to be more like the things around it and how they make sense of that verse and how they tell us. There's a couple of things. I'll just give you the cues here. There's, there's how Jesus is the snake and how Jesus is the light. So there's two images that were given by this passage that are, that are both fascinating, and we're going to look at them. But first... I wanted to start by just referencing verse 18. This is how I think I want to get into the, into the matter of Jesus the snake. Is verse 18 says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This, this is one of those verses, and there are many, which I don't know if you read the Bible much, but if you if you do, you maybe have this, where you find things in the Bible that um, if you had been asked, um, you probably would have left them out, or you would have said them a little softer or more palatable for today's world, right? All this talk of condemnation, um, Christians find over time that it is that they're glad in the end that this gift of God to speak into our lives does not just operate as something to reinforce what you already believe and what you already feel. In the end, I end up saying, thank God there's things in here that don't reinforce what I bring to it. Because then we'd really be in trouble if, that's, if that was the test, the litmus test for what can be in here is that I have to approve. And so, so anyway, we, I want to look at verse 18 and, and point out how it casts us in a pretty um, troubled light. We're, we're in a tough situation in terms of humanity, and there's talk of condemnation. On April 29, when we have our installation of elders and deacons, they will become, for City Life Church, the office bearers the local office bearers right in our church. Right now I'm considered by our church an office bearer, but then we will have elders and deacons as office bearers. They will verify their commitment, and so they're they're studying it right now. They're studying these confessions, which they verbally give consent to as office bearers. And this is what the Belgic Confession, one of our three Reformed confessions, this is what it says in Article 15. It says, we believe that by the disobedience of Adam, original sin has been spread through the whole human race. It is a corruption of all nature, an inherited depravity, see it just gets better and better this morning, (laughs) an inherited depravity which even infects small infants in their mother's womb, and the root which produces in man every sort of sin. It is therefore so vile and enormous in God's sight that it is enough to condemn, there's that word again, condemn the human race, and, and it is not abolished or wholly uprooted even by baptism, seeing that sin constantly boils forth as though from a contaminated spring. Don't worry, I have more to say. Well, <laughs> We, we won't end with that. This is, that's the Belgic Confession. The Heidelberg Catechism, you'll see a quote in the worship guide um, from that, which says uh, something similar. I thought I had, yeah, here it is. It says, when, then where does this corrupt human nature come from? Answer, the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise. This fall has so poisoned our nature that we are all conceived and born in a sinful condition. Now, I reference that because what happens in this passage and what happens when you meet Jesus, when you begin to encounter Jesus in the way that the Bible talks about Jesus, and the way churches talk about Jesus, is that he's talked about as a really good thing. He's talked about as such a good thing that even at one point he refers to himself in the Gospel of John, actually, later on, he refers to himself as the living water. When you drink of this water, you'll never thirst. He's like, he's like the, it's like the elixir, that if you drink this, you will be healed, you will be restored, you will live forever. This is Jesus, finally, the life I've always wanted, the life I've always needed, but here's the question: How are you going to think that that's anything really that important if you imagine yourself already coming to that living water with eh, pretty good water already? And and it happens, and I've, I've I get to listen in on people's stories. It happens that folks will be kind of, um, how I would put it, circling the well of Jesus in his water for a long time, coming to church and, and doing all these things, but, but never having the right combination of things in their life that make them realize that what's bubbling up from within them is the results of a contaminated spring. You know, life seems pretty good. I'm kind of in control. I'm going in this direction. I, you know, I've got some mistakes. I've, you know, some things haven't gone so great, but by and large... And folks, you can live in this for a while. And and so it's just kind of one of the truths about um, Jesus and how he operates in our life that you have to have some sense of how deeply flawed and in need you are in order to appreciate, in order to actually find it transformative that Jesus is such a good thing. And this story that is referenced in John chapter 3 is a fantastic illustration of this. The passage started out this way, and these are the words of Jesus. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So you flip over in your Bibles, if you want to, to page 144. There's Bibles in the seats nearby, and there's this story. I'll just read it because it's very short. The story of the snake that Moses lifted up. Um, It's Numbers 21, verse 4, and it goes like this. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. Again, to that issue of things I might have left out of the Bible. (laughs) God, the loving, merciful, gracious God, sends venomous snakes among his people. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. End of story. Part of me, was, I, I love the simplicity of that story. How so much is told in such little time, the economy of words. Anyone who looked at the snake lived. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying his ministry is all about. He is like in your life. Jesus is the snake. Jesus is the bronze snake held up. Jesus is another way the Bible puts it is Jesus became sin for us the way that that bronze snake was lifted up before the people Jesus becomes sin lifted up in front of us lifted up before us Jesus becomes the becomes swallowed up really by the poison and the corruption so that when we look at him we find healing If, you don't, if you're walking around thinking that you haven't been bitten by a snake and you don't go to get the help you need, you're going to die. If you're walking around, spiritually speaking, and you don't have a sense that coursing through you spiritually is poison, is contamination, then spiritually speaking, you're going <laughs> to die. Nobody wanted to say it you're going to die. I mean, that's that's the parallel that's going on here. And so Christians, what throughout history, what Christians have learned to do and what uh, happens with this table right here is that um, we look to Jesus. We look to his being lifted up before us on the cross. And we look to this cross and we learn to look to it and bring our corruption and bring our contamination and Even if we're having a great day and things are falling into place and we don't really feel that messed up, we kind of learn to just remember that we are or try in some way to access that fact because if we don't, then we lose touch with life and being saved. So Jesus is the snake. But in this passage, as it continues, then we, we get, and this is, so it's, it's part of the frustration and also the fun of reading the gospel of John. Because John, as a writer, um, he, he, some of you will love this, some of you will hate this, but he is not linear. He kind of just goes around in different circles, and he comes back, and now we're this, and now that, and now we're talking about this. So much so that in this passage, translators don't know where Jesus' words are. Stop and where they start, and so you notice. I think our, the Bibles here in these seats have red text up to a point, and the, but it's debatable. Are the next words like a narrative, or are they Jesus's words? And you know, it's John just is kind of always being poetic and mixing things together and not following a clear outline. And so that's one of the things John does here is he weaves into this conversation of the snake. And of what we think of as John 3.16. And he weaves into it this conversation about light. And so and it's, and it's like Jesus is the light as well. So he's the snake, but he's also the light. And this light functions as a way to expose. Expose what the dark kind of helps cover. I have this, um, I'm not very excited about this, or proud of it, but I have this part of me that um, in certain circumstances, um, without even thinking, I'll do things that um, later I'll, I'll say like, why did I do, what was I doing? Like if I'm in the grocery store, for example, and I see someone that I'm supposed to know, I've met them, I know their name, or I i, no, I should know their name. I knew their name at one time maybe. So are you, are you following me, you've been in this place? and And suddenly then I see this person, and in that instant, my grocery list becomes, and this is like instinctive, my grocery list becomes 10 times more interesting. (laughs) Some some of you have have done this, yeah. You know, suddenly the nutritional value of this thing in my cart that I picked up becomes just captivating, like wow, and puzzling, huh. Wait, does it have any sugar? What's the carb count on this, okay. Suddenly, I think of something on the complete other side of the grocery store that I, you know, forgot, and I just thought of it now, and so I gotta go that way. What's going on with that? There's part of it like, I don't want to be brought into the light. (laughs) I don't want to be brought into the exposure of the awkwardness of I don't remember your name. I don't even remember how I know you. I think one of your children's in the class of one of my kids, but I don't know which one, and I have no idea what your name, and I don't know which one's your kid. That could get really awkward. Um, So, you know, it just gets, it's just like I'd rather not have all that exposed, and I have this inbuilt, I'm trying to emphasize, this inbuilt running away uh, from exposure. And probably if I, if, I knew, if, I, if I stopped and thought it out cognitively, logically, the best thing for me would be to walk up and be honest, right? That would be good on all fronts moving forward. But instead I make it worse by fleeing to the dark corners of the grocery store. That's, as we read in this passage, that's a little bit of an analogy for what we do spiritually. As we're looking at verse 20 and 21. All those who do evil hate the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But those who live by the truth come into the light so that they may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Jesus is not just the snake lifted up before you, the bronze um, image of salvation, come before it and find healing. Jesus is also the light that exposes. in our hearts, just like I really desperately need to just go up to a person and get to know them better, in the same way our hearts desperately need this exposure before Jesus. It's what we actually really need, and yet we flee away from it. I have things in my life that I get very defensive about if someone close to me brings those things up or suggests change is needed. I have parts of my... Um, you know, I have parts of who I am and decisions I do that I I I want to say, "Hey, it's not your right to, hey, back off." That's not, I you know, I have all these ways that I want not not these things I don't want them to be exposed. Maybe you have that too. It's instinctive. It's instinctive that we would that we run away from what we need most in a sense. And you might not it might not be the this might not be the first thing you think of that that Jesus offers you, you know. This might not be the first thing you say. You. This is what Jesus does for my life is Jesus shines light on everything and just brings out like who I am and exposes um, what I've been up to and what's in my heart. Instead, we you know one person's saying like you know I'm coming to church or I'm coming to Jesus because you know at this last church I didn't really like the rules. But, you know, I want a set of new rules at the new church. And maybe another person is saying, I want to go to this church over here because it reflects um, my politics better. Because certainly Jesus would vote the way that I vote. So we are pursuing a better set of rules or we're pursuing a better kind of political Jesus than the last one that we saw at another church. And both of these things miss the mark. What we need desperately, what we need most is... Um, new light, exposing light, truth-telling light, the light of love. It may feel at first like tough love. It may feel like exposing vulnerable love, and yet it's the life-giving love. There was this great story that was told on Tuesday at this classes meeting that I was talking about. One of the people being examined to become a commissioned pastor... To, to become ordained, um, his name is Cisco Bergen. And so the story is told, I'll just keep it really short, but the story is told of Cisco who came out of a gang and crime background. Um, there's a picture actually we can show of Cisco. Cisco um, was in prison when he first had someone talking to him about Jesus and the person visiting him um, was talked about, I don't know the whole story behind it, was talked about as a one-eyed Dutchman. <laughs> And this one-eyed Dutchman was coming just to visit and tell people about Jesus. And um, the first encounter that Cisco had with this guy was to spit, literally spit in his face. And um, and this one-eyed Dutchman, I guess, didn't take that too personally and just kind of wiped it off and just kept on visiting Cisco. And eventually um, Cisco began to listen, and eventually Cisco began to become a Christian, and eventually um, this um this person visiting him started sharing all kinds of things, including some of the things I referenced this morning, some of the, the things that are in the Dutch Reformed theological background of these confessions. Sisko, uh, once he got out of prison, he uh, found that he, was, he just felt called to go out onto the streets in the Visalia areas where he's living and just um, bring food to people who needed it and to talk to them about Jesus. Very under the radar, very unlike the kinds of more organized church inside the walls kinds of things. this is just what he naturally began to do, and he's really good at it and he you know he he really started to get a following and started to have like services and so forth, but it was all just people kind of out there on the street that he, that he would just bring and help answer their needs and then talk to them about Jesus and the love of Jesus and so eventually um, after um, I guess part of the story is some churches tried to kind of wrap Cisco into their uh, ministry in a way that wasn't really in his best interest, and sometimes as churches tend to do those things. Um, eventually, um, he made his way to one of the Christian reform churches in the area, and, so, and, and they 're kind of helping um, give him space to just do what Cisco does and what he 's called to do. And so they were, he came to classes to be examined, to be questioned about his doctrine and beliefs so that he could be commissioned to go, continue to do the work that he's called to do. It's an incredible story. Um, and he's sitting, standing up in front of classes with a, with a baseball cap on down to here, just looking at the ground, just like it pains him to be up in front of everyone with all this attention. But he, it, was a, it was like the highlight of classes to see him examine and to hear his story. It's interesting, let me just, let me just tie it back around. Someone who's so resistant, um, so resistant to anything of this Jesus stuff, to be spitting on the face of the person bringing it to them, to eventually be at the point that Jesus has been so good and so healing and so trustworthy that he'll go to a room full of like 80 pastors and elders to be examined on his doctrine in, in life before them. That's exposure. That is raw, full-on exposure. And he doesn't know, he didn't know most of us who were there to ask him questions. I see this all the time. I'd love to see it more, but I see it enough that it's, it's a thing that you see in someone's life that it may take a long, long time, it may take most of their life, but eventually Jesus, the bronze snake lifted up before them to bring healing for their poisoned spiritual souls. Jesus eventually becomes a healing presence for them enough that they begin to be, feel the embrace of Jesus' love and drawn out into, into freeing, life-giving exposure. Things that used to be terrifying and fearful and they would never do begin to be second nature because it's coming before the one who has saved me and rescued me, who has earned my trust with his grace. And that's the gospel. Let's pray. Our God of grace, would you continue to woo us with your grace, especially if we feel far from it this morning, whether we aren't really in touch with how poisoned our hearts are, or whether we're so convinced of how poisoned we are that we can't imagine that you would love us and that you would have grace for us. Wherever we find ourselves, would you continue to woo us, even using the table that draws us to the cross today to tell us about your grace and to woo us home to be healed and to be brought out into the freeing life-giving light. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.